Hello and welcome to the next edition of Lights on Europe. This edition is about European parliamentarism, about the passion for politics and also a little bit about the advice for the ones who are considering running for politics and maybe afraid of uh, all the risks and fears that it entails. Today we speak to Adam Murtar, who is a founder of EU40, a platform which is uniting the younger members of the European Parliament. So for better understanding of our conversation, remember that an MEP stands for Member of the European Parliament. And when it comes to the age of the members, Just so you know, uh, out of the 751 members of the European Parliament, the average age is 49 and a half, and it ranges from a 21-year-old Danish MEP to an 82-year-old Italian MEP. So with Adam, we talk about those who are below 40. Hi, Adam. Welcome to our show. Please tell us what's your surname, because I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Hi, my, my surname is Muhtar. <laughs> so, who are you? Are you a politician? We met when I was preparing for my MEP campaign early this year and you were super helpful and inspiring in how you helped me navigate these waters. So, are you an insider of the parliament? Are you a politician? Is it just something that you're passionate about? So, I'm, well, I'm definitely uh, passionate about politics and that's why I think it was, it was great. It's always great to help young and, and upcoming politicians, especially when you see talent. Um, I am... Um, You know, having been passionate for politics since I'm a kid, basically, and, and the whole family always was, uh, you know, arriving in the European Parliament many, 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 many years ago, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was like a kid in a candy store, you can imagine. So I'm, I, I started off as a political advisor in the European Parliament, um, and, um, and, and it's always been an exciting place to work, because it's, on the one hand, it's the big boys game already, but it's European, and I always felt that, you know, with the mixed background that I have... Um, And being Jewish also, um, in a way, Europe is the kind of place I want to live. I think it's a, it's a, it's a good place for people like me. Um, and there are many, you know, I mean, for Jews overall, nationalist places have been bad places to live. And I think, you know, multicultural, multinational places have been kind of good for us as a people even. So I could even say that, you know, it's a Jewish place to be. You know, <laughs> oh many people will not want to hear that, I guess. But it's just me being provocative a little bit as well. But it's um, interesting that you say, because I hear it a lot from people saying that this is really a new identity that they've received as an yes. addition, obviously, to the national ones. Uh, we don't hear that a lot on the The ground but here in our European circles people really feel it that they're more European sometimes than being a national of certain member state and I think and that's a beautiful thing I mean and 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 I mean in my case it really gives me even opportunity for an identity because you have to imagine I'm I'm an Israeli Scotsman born in London who grew up in Germany um, and on my Israeli side I'm from Iraq originally hence the name so you know then tr you know have fun trying to find an identity like that so um, you know European comes in handy you know I mean that's it's 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 really one I feel passionate and strong about um, first and foremost because of the of the peace concept of it and then of course for all the many many other reasons that come after and so now looking at your job you said it's an exciting place to work what is the most exciting part of your job we've had many guests here who mainly work in the European Commission which is a completely different kind of dynamics and yes. career Uh, European Parliament is different because it's political, it's very national, uh, as we know, because of the MEPs and their identities. So you as an advisor working for multiple MEPs at the same time and having worked for many of them and the groups, what is it that makes it exciting? I think the essence of what makes 
is, is, is the reason why anyone goes into politics in the first place. So I think the beauty of politics is actually that you can change something, that you can move something, and that you care. And I think that's what many people forget. Politics has such a bad stigma in society all around the world, nearly. Um, and very often politicians are to blame for this. I'm not, I'm not saying they're, they're scotch-free, obviously. But uh, what people do forget is that the beginning of politics is some people getting together and organizing themselves to make something better. Um, it's usually, you know, the, the church tower needs renovation. It's usually very, it's, it's usually very local, right? Uh, you know, you need a new kindergarten or more, more kindergarten teachers or the road needs to lead through the city or needs to lead around the city or, you know, and, and people care. They care for themselves and they care for their community and they care for others. And then they get together volunteeringly and organize themselves. Um, and this is how politics starts. And actually, most politicians that I work with now that they have power and they're earning a lot and people can point at them at being in an ivory tower. But, you know, once upon a time, they started because they cared about something. Um, and, and we hope we stay there. <laughs> I mean, we hope that they stay there in, in a place caring about people. But you're very Absolutely. big and so. very passionate about the subject of organization of, of the politicians and them getting organized around the tribe to leverage their impact and, and their impact they have on Absolutely. the ground and in the political world. So let's now look at the EU40, the organization that you co-founded. Um, which stands for empowering the youngest, the younger members of the European Parliament. What is the purpose of the organization? Is it a secret party club? Is it an education platform? Is it a lobby group? What is it? <laughs> so well, well, what happened in the history of EU40 is that, that there were actually a group, I mean, um, again, many, many, many years ago, actually just before I came into the parliament. So in, in the term 2004 to 2009, and I entered the parliament in 2006, there were a, uh, a small group of young members of parliament, people like, you know, Cecilia Malmström, Nick Clegg, um, Alexander Stubb, uh, then Alexander Alvaro and so on who joined, um, they, they were frustrated by the old boys club in the, in the parliament. They were frustrated that they, they came in as, as young, uh, talented politicians wanting to move something, wanting to make a change. And um, they were told, no, you have to sit back and wait for your turn. You know, where, you know, do it like we all did it, and then there's some backroom deals, and that's how they decide who becomes, uh, you know, chair of a committee, who becomes vice president. It's 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 done in some back room between the same, you know, ten usually old white men, and um, and that's obviously exactly what turns people off politics. So they came in and said, no, 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 we have an electorate. We were voted to do something. I'm not voted to sit here and be vote, you know, just voting meet. Uh, in, in, in Strasbourg once a month. So and they wait want... until I'm told that I've been around for long enough to have a say. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so they wanted to change the way politics communicated, they wanted to make it young and dynamic. And it was actually Alex Alvaro who, uh, who then picked that up and had the idea to, to make that, you know, he was that time the youngest member of parliament, um, and, and, and to make that into a network um, and call it the U40. And then he took me on board to start developing the network. So that's that's the beginning story of the U40. And then uh, from then on, first from his office, and then later on it grew. And, and you know, and then I moved it out and Alex left the parliament um, and, and I continued, uh, you know, leading it and running it and so on. So that's the, that's the story of U40. And that's very much uh, the essence of the silver lining of why I'm in politics. 
because it, it, it's fun it's it's to see and exhilarating to see you know such young bright minds um, and, 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 and changing things really making changes I mean in the parliament now I'm working on something called smart villages for example so it's about changing rural areas and making them interesting and making them sexy to live and bringing technology there mm-hmm. and developing it and we and we find real money to do it we find real support to do it we change we, I, I think I will be part, hope to be part and witness how rural areas all across Europe will start becoming more interesting and see people move back out from cities into rural areas and have higher life quality um, around the things that are important for us, you know, to raise your kids, to have less criminality, to have better air, less congestion, um, you know, more options for schools and so on and so on, which are now all problematic because uh, there's too many people living in cities and, and not enough offers for them anymore. So if too few offers in the countryside because there's not enough people living there. And now you have too few offers in the city because there's too many people living there. So What's th- left there in between? Yeah, there's a simple solution. So that's fine. It's just, it's just great. I love coming out of it. You know, we, we made one amendment um, to, um, to, to the Regional Development Fund and we have 1.3 billion potentially ready to spend on smart villages. That's amazing. That's, that's why I like politics. I think that, that's a great thing. But um, yeah. And so now looking at the results of the European elections that we had in May, I don't know what your numbers are, how many members you actually have in EU40 looking at the results. Tell us a bit more concretely what can we see coming out of this EU40 space as an empowerment platform? What is it that you're expecting from the young MEPs to drive as a change of the working culture or as drivers of new themes? I think to, to, to do exactly what we said before is to continue to make to, to keep politics interesting and appealing to the voters. I mean, obviously, the, one of the biggest dangers we we have in Europe right now is, uh, you know, the, the anti-Europeans and the nationalists who are trying to, you know, destabilize everything that we've built so long since the Second World War. And, and, and so far, they're doing, you know, a good job, sadly. They're, they've been the better communicators and they've been reaching people's hearts and minds much better than we have. Um, so that's why we have to be self-critical and ask ourselves why. So uh, what's your opinion? Where are we failing? Or where is it that the society or the political parties and the candidates can be doing a better job to reach the hearts and minds better than the extremists? I think we, we have to be less hypocritical, first of all. I think we have to, you know, walk the walk and after we talk the talk. Um, very, very often we've been promising things we can't keep and we've been acting opposite to what we preach and so on and so on. So I think um, it's time to become again, to become more authentic again. And I think that's actually where, where the nationalists have been better because they are more authentic. They actually say what they think uh, and they say it brutally and honestly uh, and they're getting applauded for it. So it's about time that we are able to say what we think again too um, and that be a positive message. Uh, and I do feel that that can, can arrive. I'm also, I must say, I'm, 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 very, I'm yearning for, um, for reason. Um, you know, in such unreasonable times, I think we've 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 lost the ability just to to be reasonable, um, and you know. And I think the uh, courage to be authentic also comes with really saying the uncomfortable truths, because absolutely. the ones that we're applauding to, they're often just screaming the counterproductive lies or calls for destruction of the system. Where it's, I feel it's very difficult to say the truth about not having the magical bullet solutions and the reality out there being difficult, because we're looking for solutions which are compromised across very many countries and cultures and priorities. So I think that's where the challenge comes for us. How can you win the elections while being authentic and saying truth about the difficulty of the whole game? 
at the same time. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but also being consequent about the way it works. You know, I mean, in the uh, in the olden days, you know, in in, in especially let's say that you know the House of Commons when it was still reasonable. You would see politics as a as a, like a, a sports match. Needly, you would understand that it, everyone in that parliament is in there because they mean well for the country. It was clear that everyone is a patriot. It was clear that everyone wants to solve the problems the country has. They just have different solutions to how to solve the problem, uh, and they would debate these solutions with all opportunity of debate in their hands, and they would learn to debate at university already, and then after the debate and the tackle of words, they would go to a pub and have a pint of beer together and talk about philosophy and, and, and anything that interests them because they understand that they're on the same side, despite being Tories and Labour, for example. And I think this understanding of politics is, is lost. Um, it, it starts by being personally attacked for having a different opinion. Um, I think that you know, we've, we as Democrats have made huge mistakes. Um, often the left has made huge mistakes, for example, to say, you know, conservatives are worse human beings. Sorry, they're not. How dare you? How dare I hate to hear it. And of course, it goes in both directions, just to use an example. Um, and politicians who said, you know, that don't step down anymore by themselves. They can only be, you know, dragged from power by, by their hair. There's, there's something wrong there, right? So there's an element of, of serving and annoying when your time's up and after a lost election to say, well, thank you very much, you know, and I had a good run and I'm out um, and, and to stay strong by it. I mean, even, even for myself, look, I'm, I'm now stepping out of EU40. Why? For the simple reason was I've, I've crossed the 40 border. So I'm just staying, you know, I've, I've become old. Middle aged, I think, is what's called, and, um, and 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 with that came a bit more wisdom, but also the understanding um, that you know I have to I have to move my seat for for people who are younger and more dynamic and and develop the continue develop the vision of, of EU forty, and I think I'm I'm very proud to do that. Um, and, I think that's what uh, the true leadership is to develop your own baby, your organization, and then pass it on to your successor that you've also educated and helped raise yourself. So it's not that you would completely disappear from the organization. What's the next engagement that's ahead of you? Well, I mean, I said earlier, I mean, Smart Villages is so now my... So that's going to be your new job. That is now my new... So, so, so the three members of parliament I work for, uh, for all three of them, I'll be developing the, the, the Smart Village idea and we're going to create an intergroup in the parliament. So, uh, yeah, check out the Smart Villages uh, intergroup website. It's already up. And uh, so we're, we're, you know, we're, um, I think we, we're going to have some, some, some great changes to look forward to then. And so tell us a little bit, what is the main message that you're passing on to your successor? We know who that is. Hi to Alessandro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. um, what is the legacy that you're leaving behind and what is the change that you would like him to be leading towards now that we are at the beginning of the next period of the new parliament? Well, I mean, the, the, the most difficult thing when you, when, you read, when, you, when you run a network is always to, to, to get the engagement of the actual members of the network. So... Um, I think often for politicians, um, you know, communication can be a one-way game. Um, I think there's another mistake. I think there is a lot of ego trips and a lot of, you know, uh, um, self-marketing, let's say, and they forget about the other side of the conversation. Um, and that can be with a citizen on the street, <laughs> it can be on social media, um, but it can be also with anyone who supports uh, him or her in politics. So, um, you know, EU40 tries to be a platform and, and, and support politicians, young politicians, 
who are still backbenchers and, and, and you know, bring them to the front, so to speak. Um, and in return, it would be nice for those politicians to kind of take ownership of EU40 and, and be engaged and, and also change EU40, because that's what, how a network works. It needs to be dynamic, it needs to be organic and not static. So, I, you know, that's one of the things I have not quite solved over the many years I've run EU40, so I hope maybe Alec can do better there. I would like to come back to this point of ego tripping that we've been discussing yeah. for a while now. Do you think it's something that is typical of this new generation of politicians coming in also because of how comfortable we feel with social media and we've been in this online ego tripping world for a bit longer or it's much more authentic for us to navigate a space than probably for the previous generations? Do you think it's something that is a downside of the new generation coming in, uh, this superficiality of the communication? Or it's simply individuals who are more ego, bigger ego trippers than others and you can't really generalize it? Yeah, it's, it's a, there's a hard answer, it's a difficult answer to it. I think social media definitely has changed the way we communicate. I think there's two sides to the medal of social media. Um, there's a very, very positive side, because you can reach people very directly um, and very kind of unfazed and unfiltered, uh, which I think is good. Um, the negative side is this kind of, yeah, this, this, this self-conversation that people are leading all the time. I mean, the amount of, I mean, just in, you know, in the first weeks after Parliament started, before the summer break, The amount of my young, <laughs> of the EU40 uh, MEPs, you know, filming themselves in their office a million times and posting that is was a bit much, you know. Um, and oh, I'm not, I'm meeting this influencer now. I mean, people go and meet influencers, and then, and then the next, if I go along on Instagram, the next story I see is then the influencer meeting the politician, exactly. and it's just like they're turning their stories are turning in circles. Um, and I, I actually wonder what that's not communication anymore. It doesn't seem um, so. But that's 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 every you know that's, that's I think a philosophy of life. There's always two sides to a coin to anything. Uh, and it's so, also probably yeah. part of their learning process since they are new to the system they also try to kind of uh, remove this veil of misunderstanding for their voters and no, so absolutely. at the beginning all of them are showing what is the working space and how their daily routine works so I there's a that. lot of this that since we are inside of the bubble we keep seeing the same stories every day absolutely. because yeah. I mean it's reporting of the same situation from multiple sources and so we'll be curious to see once they become much more comfortable with the political cycle so I'm yes. getting much more rolling to see how much of the content will start coming into their communication and how much of a bi-directional communication it will be about the content because the content as such is so complicated for general public to understand that I think it takes a lot of mastery for the politicians to be able to explain it in layman's terms and also I guess it's a bit of a leadership challenge for them to decide how you split the resources across the teams because you have to have super smart people on the team which will help help you with the political process but then you have to have resources on the side also for the communication which can be very energy draining and, and also resource Absolutely. consuming yeah. so it's a difficult balance to strike Yeah. No, absolutely. 100% is true. Yeah. Um, and, then there's many, and then there's many elements. I mean, it's, um, it's very human. It's very, very human that if you are treated differently by the, by the outside world, people are making a larger effort to treat you well because you're an elected official. Um, that you start to forget that they're doing that because of the title and not because of you being a better person, right? So that differentiation is just hard to keep. I think you also need to be... a a big person or a very you know it, it needs training to to come home and to to just 
be the human again and not anymore hold the, you know uh, be the title you know yes. I think and, that, and that's very true for, for, for pop stars for actors for yes. anyone who's in the limelight always yeah. um, I think the confusion happens very fast and I, it's it's more than natural but you maybe, like being, being in the limelight as well when I was checking <laughs> <some videos laughs> is that you, true? I, I found the, the rapping event that you told me about a while yeah. ago would you like to rap for us? <laughs> no I, I don't know but the, the whole point the, so thanks for mentioning the, our 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 uh, Our hip hop battle that we do regularly, and we'll be doing again in Strasbourg next year, of course. Um, okay. But and I love hip hop, and I grew up listening to hip hop. Um, very much. A, a, so an is Annie it the MEPs? MEPs on the battle, or who's doing? So, the, so the part of the trick of EU40 when we do a bit of fun communications. I mean, what we always we, we never burn our members, right? So this is something you learn as an assistant in the parliament. First and foremost, is you never burn your boss, right? Because you go down with them. So. Um, so when we do f things like that, we make sure that people are not make it won't be cringy, right? We don't want to have a cringe element. So um, we what we get we get professional hip hoppers in, and it's the and the politicians who give the arguments to the rappers, and the rappers then put it into rhyme, and that way you have rappers with perfect rhymes and perfect arguments thanks to the the politicians who are whispering in their ear so that's kind of the brilliance of that of that event and, and it works really well excellent are um, these all your own creations or do you have organizations that serve as your inspiration in other administrative systems that you're learning from well I'm, i i do think that i'm somewhat a creative person so yes often it's my own ideas in the case of the rap battle i have to be very very honest and give uh, my respect to jim Uh, Jim Cheng, who's now in Switzerland banking somewhere, I think. Um, but uh, we used to, uh, we, um, Matteo, Jim and I used to get together and just, uh, uh, you know, we were three nerds in a room and, and just spin ideas. Um, and, and that was one of the ideas that came up um, between three of us. And I think it was Jim's idea, actually. And then, of course, we built onto it and so on. And Matteo and I added. Uh, and then we had that very first rap battle, which was, uh, seems like a long, long time ago, I think in 2009. Um, and we had a thousand people lining up in front of the parliament. Uh, okay, um, so it was a, it was a fun party. You can still find it on the EU40, not the joint part, but you can still find the rap battle on the on, yes, on, on the, the website. website. Yeah, yes. some of them are still MEPs today that that took part in it. So it was. Uh, And so this is a very saturated space of networks here in Brussels. And so you really did manage to elevate the bar of how funny it can be and creative. And you are like super original, I find, in the events that you're organizing and in the quality of the communication that Thank you're you. doing. What is the piece of wisdom that you're usually passing on to other networks that exist either in Brussels, in the institutions or outside or in other countries? How do you leverage the networks? How do you organize them so that the members are really heard? Because ultimately it's about this, giving members a much stronger voice to be heard for the cause that they're fighting for. So there's no again there's no easy answer to that um, but I'm, I think I mean being innovative is definitely an, uh, an important element I, I, I do try to not be lazy and, and re keep reinventing the wheel so what many many organizations do is they, they, they have a successful event or they do something well and then they just start copy pasting it and there's a lot of copy pasting also from other people's successes uh, which is a, you know, a natural thing to do but then of course it will become boring and old very fast and, and people like new uh, and like different uh, and they like to be touched um, and I think you know, bringing a human element is definitely good you know, in, in the rap battle we brought in a cool element I think clearly so that I think bringing cool to politics was about time we, I loved, I've always loved the, the nerd 
cool combination. I mean, that was always my thing. I mean, being, you know, I used to belong to the cool kids in the school, but I was the only one who loved politics in that group. Uh, and they never, and I would start talking about politics and they would all be bored. Um, so then I would hang out with the nerds. Um, and uh, and then the nerd, and they, each group could not understand why I would hang out with either of them. Um, and I knew <laughs> why in both cases, but I never understood why it can't be combined. So that's been a little bit of my mission This in resonates politics. so much <laughs> with me because that's also why I'm doing this podcast that I try to convert the nerd, the European Commission, Europe an official job into giving it a bit of a coolness to it so hopefully the guests if we're being cool right now I'm not sure but <laughs> nerds we are for sure yeah. <laughs> and so the last question that I would like to ask you is now thinking ahead uh, we are now after the elections period and I keep already receiving messages and calls from some people asking me if I wanted to run in five years what am I supposed to do how to go about it I don't know which party to choose mm. First you, question I asked you, yeah? <laughs> yeah. If you were to give an advice to somebody who feels called to speak up and enter this political arena, but they are told by everybody around them that they're not good enough, that it's dirty business, that they don't have enough political leverage or enough of a name recognition, how would you support them for them to really have the courage to embark on this journey without really knowing where they're going? Patience and tenacity, um, two, two qualities I don't have, and that's maybe why I'm not in politics um, actively, <laughs> just passively. Patience and tenacity. I think if you, um, that's, uh, for, for, for politics, also for politicians, already elected politicians, it's, it's, it's very, very true. You hit into the same place at the tree again and again and again, and one day the tree will fall. You just, you? Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Then you have to make sure what direction the tree falls on. But it's absolutely, that's a very, very apt comment. You have, so those are the two things. You, you don't hit, you know, from up to down. You hit into the same place, but then make sure the tree also falls in the right direction and doesn't crush a house on the way. Um, that is a very real danger in politics, as we all know, um, or yourself, yes. And the tenacity? Uh, same thing you stay at it I mean you have to stay at it stay at it stay at it um, it comes round you know there is um, in a way you know success in politics is like a blue moon you know it it, 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 it happens at some point the stars are in the right constellation always at some point but when they are you have to be ready to, to, to then look at the moon so you have to know that you're waiting for a blue moon you know there is a there will every person will experience at least one blue moon in his life but maybe he's sitting watching his favorite sitcom and he'll miss it. So, I mean, you have to, you know, be tenacious enough to look out the window every night and, and look at the moon and, and eventually the stars will align. Yes, beautiful. Thank you very much and all the best on your new journey. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. For follow-up, you can find us on all major podcast platforms and all social media platforms, including our Instagram, Lights on Europe. So feel free to go there now and leave us your review, likes, feedback, as well as tips on who would you like to hear interviewed next time. Bye!